0: Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, April 21st, we're studying 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Christ's return is imminent. How then shall we live? St. Peter instructs us to live with love that covers a multitude of sins and in service to one another according to the grace God has given us. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today. We have with us returning guest, Pastor AJ Espinoza. Pastor Espinoza serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California. Pastor Espinoza, welcome back to Sharp Iron.
1: Great to be back, Pastor Apple. Thanks for having me.
0: As we get started this morning, let's talk a little context. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4. What do we need to know about the apostle who wrote this, his life, his ministry, and the letter as a whole going into these verses?
1: Yeah, you know, and, and we were talking a little bit about this um, before we got underway, but, I, I mean, the, the, the context, um, it seems that the context for this letter is very much the situation that they were in, which, which of course, makes it kind of challenging to interpret because we just don't know exactly what the situation was, right? I mean, uh, you know, he doesn't, like, staple a copy of, uh, you know, the day's newspaper, To his letter here, Um, it just you just would have known, right? I'm reminded, you know, um, uh, these days whenever, uh, well, I mean, I don't know, it it can be anything, right? People, but people say like, you know, oh well, you know, uh, that that's pretty difficult, you know, in in times like these, right? And and they'll just say that, and everyone knows right now that you're talking about the COVID (laughs) nineteen pandemic, right? And and like the, the the shutdowns and and the distancing and all that, right? but all you have to say is in times like these, and it's not like I'm being cryptic or anything. It's just, that's just the natural way we all talk. Cause we don't want to say the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 and 2021. We want to say like every single time. Right. So I think that's a lot like that. And, uh, that, that, that is one of the challenges, but I think that there are other signals in other books of the new Testament, especially revelation and the writings of Paul, um, that would have been from around the same time that kind of helped shed light on what was going on, um, that Peter has now, uh, no, no longer the, you know, uh, you know, falling into the water, uh, follower of Jesus, but now a a leader in the church, uh, what situation he was speaking into.
0: So from that revelation letters of Paul, how would you fill in that context, the situation Peter's speaking into?
1: So I, I, I look at the way that he talks about, you mentioned uh, you know, in the lead up here, uh, you know, like what we see, like in, in verse seven, that, you know, the end of all things is at hand. You know, Paul talks this way about like um, th- this kind of like impending disaster or, you know, um, I've heard what, like what, what's the exact phrase. But remember in that one text where he says, you know, I would encourage you all to just remain as you are. Um, you know, those who are married, stay married. Those who aren't married, stay unmarried. What, what text is that?
0: That's in First Corinthians seven,
1: right? And so, like in First in Corinthians seven, right, he uses this uh, uh, this kind of like interesting uh, phrase where he's like, "It's uh, what was it here?" It's it, it's like you know, kind of like in view of like the coming calamity or or, or something along those lines, um, and, and then kind of like you put that together with some things that he says elsewhere, where he kind of seems to be talking about um, famine um, and and like a, a really uh, well, I mean, you know, of course he's gathering the, the offerings for the, the brothers in, in Jerusalem. So you look at that stuff and then you look, I think at the stuff in revelation. Um, and, and I think this is, this is really interesting because, you know, like it wasn't that long ago that, uh, you know, I went through and like had like a pretty close reading of revelation. And it is to me, just sounds like so much like, um, the letters to like the seven churches, um, uh, and some of those seem to be directed to this. I'm, I'm looking at it here where it's talking about um, like, like trials and, and, and like resisting temptation. Right. So like you got uh, like the letter to the church in Philadelphia. Right. Or it says here, um, like in verse uh, this is chapter three, verse 10, right. You've kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial. That's coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Right. And so you, you have like these, uh, these different kinds of um, little bits here where it seems to be talking about synagogue of Satan. Um, and there seem to be allusions to the emperor cult of Rome. And so it, it seems like we're all kind of talking about this lead up to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, um, the ultimate defeat of the Julio-Claudian dynasty of, of Rome. And all of the war and famine and, and calamity that happened right around that time, around 70 A.D., which of course was accompanied with a very great persecution and uh, the martyrdom of a number of leaders of the church.
0: With with the destruction of Jerusalem, I just want—I'm I'm curious because at the beginning of this epistle, Peter says he's writing to these churches that are in Asia Minor. Yeah. Why? Why would the destruction? Of the temple in Jerusalem be such a an important event for Christians living in Asia Minor
1: you know it reminds right right now i've I've got my um I'm very blessed I have my in-law staying with me um from from Nicaragua, and you know it's it's nice to have them here uh you know we we had our our third child just uh, a little over a, well not even quite a month ago. Uh, little, little James Jose. And, uh, we're, we're just, we're, it's so great to have them with us. And, uh, it's interesting because, you know, they, they have to go back to, to Nicaragua after they stay with us. Um, you know, they have some business to attend to there, but it's, it, it, you know, I know that my wife and I were just like, y- you know, you could stay a little bit longer because, you know, we're hearing about everything that's going on over there. And, you know, it's one of the highest mortality rates in the world, um, for people who would become infected. Uh, the vaccine is somewhere between, um, uh, scarce and non-existent for normal people over there. Um, and, and and so it's like, it, it's, it's interesting because it's like, you know, I listened to like my father-in-law talk about it. He's like, yeah, you know, we, we might just be going back to just to sell our house and come back here, you know? And so it's like, he's listening, you know, the reasons and all the things, of course it's a, it's a terrible uh, tyranny. It, it's, it's a, you know, it's just a, it's a despot state, you know, um, going on over there. And he's like listening the reasons, but it's painful for him to do that. And, and I think this is the idea that, like, when you belong to a tight-knit group, um, that, like, it's this is kind of ethnic reasoning, too. There, there's kind of like this home base, this the fatherland, the mothership. And, you know, it, it, it pains my, my family uh, to hear about what's happening back in Nicaragua. Because it's like, yeah, we can come to the United States, but it's like, that, that's like a part of us, though, that, that, that you know, that dirt's in the blood. Right. And, and so I, I think that for all the uh, Christians, you know, in Asia Minor who are kind of like, OK, well, you know, here we're at this kind of, you know, rinky dick outpost. Right. On the outskirts of uh, outskirts of the kingdom. Right. But but there in Jerusalem. Right. If you if you want to, you know, uh, see the you know, the glory of God and the kingdom of heaven, you know, th- there it is. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the tens of thousands. Right. That James showed to Paul, um, it says. Right. Like, you know, the, the mother church. Um, and so to be hearing about and, th- and, th- and thinking about the destruction of all of that, right? Because I, I think that's the concern. The concern is if Jerusalem goes, so does the church. I mean that that is, that is HQ. I mean that that's uh, that's like St. Louis for us, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we claim Lee County here in Texas as <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, for the rest but, but of so us I mean, outside of Texas, well, right? Now. <laughs> and, 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 thinking, and that's specifically Lutherans. In, yeah, in yes, Texas. I'll see So <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. with, I mean, you know, with thinking about the way Jesus talked about the destruction of Jerusalem in the Gospels, a lot of the things that he described, he connected with his own return. I mean, he, he puts those two topics side by side. And so I suppose with, with the various persecutions that were going on in the early church, even outside of what happened in Jerusalem, that that event is still going to be playing a mind a role in the minds of of these christians even if maybe they've never been to jerusalem or don't have a, a as personal of connection to jerusalem as you were describing the fact that they're together in christ there is a connection and it is and i, I think you know in in our world today as as christians living you know, almost 2000 years later yeah we have a hard time appreciating what a what a huge event that actually was in we in do. the early in the early world
1: and what a, and what a tragic event it was i i think that we're we uh i don't know it, it's it, it's bad i think we were a little bit over eager to like dance on the grave of old jerusalem um and and the temple right like oh well it was a bad temple it was a corrupt temple right you know jesus he knocked over the tables bad temple uh you know should it should have gone but I, I don't think that's the way the Christians saw it. I, I, I think I think that our, our foreigners in the faith saw that as a, as a terrible loss. Um, I mean, they were worshiping in the temple from from day one, right? I mean, that's yeah. I think you know, remember let's like read Acts, right? And so losing the temple was was bad, and it's one of those things where it's like. It, it's like, I don't know. It's like Noah's Ark, right? Like, you know, like, yeah, like uh, God wiping out like most of life on earth, like in a matrix. that's a bad thing, right? I mean, God still works good through it and he still saves his people and brings us through the other side, right? So there's still good that comes out, but it itself was bad. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I think we have a hard time appreciating that. And, you know, we just got to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, again, kind of like I mentioned kind of like ethnic reasoning, like you know, the way Paul talks, you know, e- even though these guys may have been, you know, Gentiles uh, ethnically, right? If we can talk that way. The thing is, when, when you become a Christian, you're adopted into the family of Abraham. That's what Paul says, right? So it's like, you know, they consider themselves now part of the family of Abraham. And so now Jerusalem is that personal family home base, right? Um, I mean, that's, you know, it, it's like us, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, Abraham as our ancestor, as our father, like even if we're not, you know. Uh, related in in that way, like even if I don't have Abraham's Y chromosome, right? Um, it's 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 a, it's a spiritual uh, adoption, spiritual family. So yeah, that's it. It, it looms large, and the thought of losing all the church leaders, right? Because most of them are are there in Jerusalem, um, you know, in the home base, and you know where so many of the brothers and sisters are. I mean, it's it, it's uh, it's it, it was unthinkable.
0: Let's go ahead and take a look at what Peter says here and, and keep talking about this. This is, again, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another That's our text for today, 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. So again, we've kind of been talking about this already, Pastor Espinoza. The end of all things is at hand. I mean, with the destruction of Jerusalem in view, it, it sure seems that Peter points beyond that too. Much like our Lord, when he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, there are times in there where you're kind of wondering, are you only talking about 70 AD, or are you talking also about the, the end the last day, I mean it, it, the way I read it, it sure seems that Peter's got that end or in Greek that telos that goal in mind,
1: right? And I know I, I, was, I think that ends up being pretty big in how you how you take all this stuff, right? I mean because um, well 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 there you know when he when he says you know the end of all things like you know there they're in Greek you know it's just it's just you know panton, it's just which which could be all that all you know all this right or all all right i mean and and that's true in, in in most languages right like where you say like all or everything or everywhere or everybody right like everybody's a good example in english right i mean if i say everybody it could just be everyone that i'm looking at everybody who you know is was in the room uh, or in the house in the story i was telling or I, I guess I could mean actually like all people who are alive on earth. Right. Or, I mean, I, I could mean, you know, every person who's ever lived. Right. I mean, it depends on the context. So it's like, it's the end of all of what, <laughs> um, it, you know, because I mean, yeah, we, we, we think to ourselves, well, surely the world didn't end in AD 70, because here we are. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, and I think that's kind of one of the reasons too, why it's helpful to compare first uh, Peter to, to Paul and to revelation because, or, or the preaching of our Lord, as you, as you mentioned, cause I think that in, in the way that they thought about it, AD 70 was the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of the thousand year reign. That was when the, you know, the, the, the serpent was, uh, you know, defeated. And, and And then it was like, Hey, now this is like the church age really beginning in earnest here. Um, you know, and it's different ways of taking that. Not everyone would, would, would agree. But, you know, so I think in that view though, uh, it's like, yeah, a 70 was the end because this is now the end game that we're in, you know, that this is a, to, you know, to borrow a lane from, a, you know, we're in the end game. Right. I mean, I mean, that's, I, I think that's kind of the idea.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, I think that, so look, thinking back to the previous text, particularly verse five of chapter four. Right. Where Peter talks about giving account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, Peter's Peter's made that move to the to the end end like the right. end last day capital L capital D last day. Yeah. That I mean he's he's made that move, which I think I mean as as I've reflected on the epistle as a whole, and even thinking about where he's going to go in Second Peter, it it seems that starting here in chapter four, he's really made a very I'm going to use the big word, eschatological, last times things. He's made a shift toward really focusing on that. You know, the first three chapters of the letter, he's talked about the resurrection of Christ a lot. He's talked about the sufferings of Christ a lot. And those things don't go away. And and certainly Christ's return was there in the beginning of the letter. It was actually there already in the the very first chapter. He talks about the the revealing in the last time. But man, he right in chapter four. It sure seems like he's he really turns and gets his eyes focused, and he invites his readers to get his eyes their eyes focused on the last day as well.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think this is um, you know people think commonly summarize these um these epistles of peter as ones of encouragement in the midst of in the midst of suffering in the midst of persecution in the midst of suffering for for christ and of course uh you guys are going to take a look at that next time when you're looking at uh, verse 12 and beyond right which uh, some of uh, my favorite verses in in uh first peter cha- uh well in this chapter four and first peter generally um you know we're talking about suffering right because uh well, I mean, t- kind of tipping my hand, right? We, we kind of like use the phrase Lucy for like, oh, well, you know, that's my cross to bear. And Peter is clear, like, hang on a second. Like uh, your, your, your cross is not like, oh, like you're, you're, you know, kind of first world problems, right? <laughs> like your cross is not like, oh, life is hard and I'm sad. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, it's specifically this suffering that is kind of like ordained by God in, in the, in the shape and pattern of of, of Christ. And, and so I I think that's, so to me, I think that's, that's actually the the coherence here that there's no, because, I mean, I I think that's the idea. It's like, well, if Christ suffered in the body, but then was raised from the dead, (laughs) and and we're supposed to be suffering like Christ, it's sort of like, well, so, so are we going to suffer in the body and be raised from the dead? Right. I mean, like, so I I think that's, that's the connection, right? It's just Jesus Christ himself. And if you look at it that way, it's like, well, you kind of have to talk about, the end and the resurrection because how else do we get resurrected then?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean that, that, like you said, that has to be where Peter's going to go because of everything that he said. And certainly, you know, we've we've talked at length about suffering with the first epistle of Peter because it's all over the place. Even, even so far, uh, you know, what you were saying about the suffering that Peter's talking about isn't first world problems, which is, (laughs) is well, well said, you know, we, um, the, the suffering that Peter talks about is, is connected to what, what Christ has done, and and we suffer with him, you know, the, the, and we suffer in connection with him, that this is, and, and we talked about it this way too, you know, there's that, I think, I don't know if people still wear the bracelets, but WWJD, what would Jesus do? Mm. And it seems that, that Peter really answers that question with one word, it's suffer. That's what Jesus would do. And, and that's what we're given to do with Jesus as well
1: yeah well or or or, you know kind of like in another way too you you might you might say like you know witness right like i mean like you know we think of the word martyr right which has all the connotations that we we have but um you know like the word fundamentally is you know like a a witness right but it's like you you witness in a fallen world by suffering right and um and and i don't know it is interesting like i i don't know um what you guys made of the second half of, of verse six, right? But like, it, it's interesting because like I'm looking at the ESV, which I'm like, I, I was, I'm like, I'm just kind of blown away again. I'm Like this is like one of the most paraphrastic lines in all of the ESV. I feel like, I mean, the NIV for, for what people might in our circles might say about it is, is like actually like much more just kind of literal and simple in this way. But like on, on the second half of that verse, it's like, you know, that. Though judged in the flesh, the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does, which as a translation um, can kind of make it sound like, okay, so so God's purpose is that they might live in the spirit. Um, And the though judged in the flesh, the way people are is sort of like a, you know, like a a bump in the road. Right. It's kind of like, oh, well, you know, that, that happens. okay, sure. But but God's plan is still. Is still in motion, but like when I when I look at the Greek, right? Like it doesn't. There is no like though judged, right? It's not. It's not a participle or something like this. Um, I mean, to to me, it kind of reads more cl- cleanly as like that they might suffer, <laughs> like and uh, but still uh, live. So like. You know, it is. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think if you kind of take it a little bit, uh, a little bit tighter, I, I think it's saying like that the plan is suffer this way, and yet live this way also, right? That that they're both part of the plan, which to me is, is is very tight and in line with the gospels, right? Talking about the way that Elijah was supposed to come in return, right, with John the Baptist, and the way that the Son of Man was supposed to come, right that like actually the purpose is to come and witness as a suffering servant who yet lives that the, the, all of that is the purpose God intends.
0: So in verse 6 the being judged in the flesh and the living in the spirit using that language from the ESV those are if i can use the maybe a more colloquial of saying it those are two sides of the same coin It's not that the the judgment was the though and the living in the spirit is yet, but God's actually doing both of those things, just two different ways of doing the same thing, two sides of the same coin.
1: Well, I mean, it's not like it's, um, it's not like it's automatic, right? I mean, and and this is kind of interesting because, you know, the, the, the ESV, I mean, you know, to be fair, it's, 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 it's tricky Greek to our eyes when you look at this, right? So like the ESV has, you know, um, judged in the in the flesh the way people are that they might live in the spirit the way God does like if you just look at the greek i mean it it's it's there's a lot of things that could happen like the way that that i that my mind kind of goes with it is um that they might be um i mean really kind of like judged in the sense of condemned um according to according to men uh, naturally that they might live according to God spiritually, right? So I, I think the ESV, like by flipping things around, kind of uh, uh, switches the emphasis a little bit. Um, but I, I think that that reminds me of when the Lord, like in Luke, is answering the Sadducees and, and, and they're trying to say, like, "Hey, ah, so there can't be a resurrection," right? Um, but He's like, "Hey, didn't didn't you read in in the you know the, the books of Moses, right?" that he calls God, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, you know, we know God's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Therefore, um, they are alive to God. I, I think that's the idea that it's like, um, you know, by all appearances to the world, it's like, ah, they're dead, which which actually that, that fits with like a lot of the intertestamental literature as well. If you look at like, you know, Maccabees and um, like Wisdom of Solomon and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's like, oh, the world's like, oh, we got him, we they're, they're dead, hooray! You know, which is exactly the way the gospels talk about the reaction to crucifying Jesus, like, ah, oh, we got him. But God and the people of faith know better because they they've actually seen him alive, right? So it's uh, yeah, you know, people get condemned all the time. Like Jesus got condemned with two thieves, right? I mean, people are condemned according to men, right? Naturally, happens to a lot of people, but. God's plan is that people would do this for a very specific purpose and very for a very specific way so that he would, uh, well, yeah, so that he would mint a new face on the other side of that coin.
0: So then just with about a minute here before the break, how then does that understanding affect the way we understand Peter in verse seven, that the end of all things is at hand?
1: Well, I, I think then, right, that if if our, if our we're on target and, and the suffering as, as witness is part of the plan, right? I mean, just think about it, you know, therefore be self-controlled and sober minded for the sake of your prayers. It's like, think about how important your prayers are, right? It's like you are in the garden with Jesus facing your execution at, at the, um, on a cross. That's the plan, guys, Um and you're praying earnestly and you need to pray earnestly. And, and Jesus is saying, keep watch, stay awake, um, you know, it, it, hang in there. Right. And and, and you're, you you want to fall asleep like ironically Peter did. Right. But here's Peter saying, no, guys, we need to stay awake because now we are praying in the garden, sweating blood. Um, you you got to pray because we're not going to be able to face down this cross if if it's not Christ who does it in us. If we're not if we're not praying, if he's not strengthening us, if it's not him who. Who's walking, um, you know, uh, us really all the way there. So I, I mean, I, I think it it really intensifies the whole thing and colors it a, a lot. That you know, it's like you know, you you got to be looking at this life as like the the goal here is I'm 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 headed to my cross, um, mm-hmm. but I like but not just that's the end, but my cross and then to be raised from the dead. And so wow, I've got to pray and I've got to pray hard for the strength to do this. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we'll see how Peter continues with that thought. On the other side of the break, you're listening to Sharper Iron on KFU. We got Pastor AJ Espinoza looking at first Peter chapter four. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, April 21st. We are looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-11 through with Pastor A.J. Espinoza. He serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California. Pastor Espinoza, prior to the break, we were looking at St. Peter's words, the end of all things as at hand, and then he draws a conclusion from that. He says, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So what, what does it mean to be self-controlled and sober minded. And what does that have to do with your prayers?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think it's fascinating. I remember, um, I remember having a, like a small group Bible study back on campus while I was uh, still on campus at Concordia seminary. And, uh, I think we had these, these verses and it's just really interesting. And I think it's really helpful. Um, as, as just a little bit of a hey, guys, do, you, do we do we have this the right way? Um, you know, we we think of prayer very naturally, not as even like LCMS Lutherans, but just as like humans who live in the twenty first century West, right? You know, like you know Europe and um, you know Canada and United States, right? Like we, we just think of prayers as like, well, you you say your prayers so that God can you know give you that extra boost to get you across the finish line, so that. You know, you've got your goals, you've got your plans, and, you know, you want God to bless them, right? You want God to prosper your, you know, your the, the work of, of your hands, right, of, of, uh, of the desires of your heart, right? Yeah, so there, there we go, borrowing some Old Testament language, right? Sounds sounds reasonable. Um, but, you know, we just, we think of, in the end, uh, prayer is, like, in this very utilitarian way. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, ah, well, oh, gosh, that, that this is going to be a really hard test. I got to, you know, study a lot for it, better better throw in some extra prayers, right. Or like, Oh, it's an extra long, dangerous trip, extra prayers for this. Right. So like prayers are the things you do kind uh, of so we can kind of get this stuff done that we want. And, and this is helpful, I think, because, you know, Peter's got this other, other way, right. It's like you need to be self-controlled and sober minded for the sake of your prayers. Right. You're not like, you know, it's, it's so, so, you know, the prayer is the goal. And, uh, the, the self control and the sober minded like that that's the that's the that's the thing that we're, that we're doing um, to get us to the the prayer finish line. So I mean, it's just kind of flipping the whole thing around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was reading. I'm, I've got the Lutheran Study Bible open here, and it under that phrase "for the sake of your prayers," it, it says this, which I think fits in with what you're saying. Sin hinders prayer by turning our attention from God to ourselves. Which I mean the way you were describing the way that we often think about prayer is very me focused and not yeah. that it's wrong to pray for the needs that we have. We should pray for the needs that we have. Jesus in the Lord's prayer tells us to pray for daily bread, but it is amazing that, you know, he puts that petition forth rather than say first, which is where we seem to to put it. I, I think, but I, yeah, so that my self-controlled, my sober mindedness right now is to the end that I would pray that I would I would worship God that's and and Peter has has talked about things getting in the way of prayer before back in chapter 3 verse 7 when he was speaking to husbands and he he talked about the way that they should treat their wives he said so that your prayers may not be hindered this seems this praying for Peter seems to be pretty important i wonder if it this is where where my mind goes you can tell me what you think Peter in first in Peter chapter two calls the people of God a royal priesthood. And one of the mm. the big functions of a priesthood is to pray. And and perhaps that's why Peter has such a, a focus here on, on your prayers, not being hindered. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I, I think that that fits, that fits beautifully with what we're talking about, right? Like just seeing that, um, you know, it reminds me too of uh, just something that my, um, uh, that my in-laws were telling me about, about, um, someone they know who was getting up there in in years. And this person who just, you know, um, didn't really have any kind of higher power in their life except for nature, you know. And um, the way that they thought of things was, was, you know, very well, very much like the way that we think of things um, in our broader society that, you know, life, it's like, you know, there's lots of nice things to enjoy. And, you know, when you can't really enjoy those things that you really like, that are you know really you, right? It's like, well, it's like, you know, like what what, what does life have then for you? You know, like if what's life if you, you can't enjoy it? So uh, this person, um, you know, like they they got to the point where you know they they couldn't do these things that they become accustomed to. They couldn't go to these places that you know were important to them, and and so uh, you know they, they made they made a regrettable decision at that point. And I was thinking about that, you know, like it's just, there's such a difference, I think, between that kind of situation and a situation I see often in our congregations where, you know, you've got some of these older people who are way up there in years, but like they don't see it as, oh, I've got nothing left to live for because, like, you know, I can't do any more like fun stuff that I like. It's like they're busy because. Uh, more than ever before, they're praying for everyone in their congregation. They're praying for their children. They're praying for their grandchildren. They're praying for their great grandchildren. And, you know, and I tell them and I thank them and I encourage them for that because man, I, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, what more can you do for someone than offer prayers to the, the one Holy God, you know, in their behalf? I mean, you know, when you really think about it, it's like, I can think of something better that you could do for them. I mean, and, and if God answers prayers, right, it's like, well, they're really helping a lot then. So, I mean, yeah, that, to, to your point, I mean, I, yeah, I think that it's, uh, you know, it all fits together very much with the, our, our our idea of vocation and seeing life as, you know, fulfilling uh, these these duties and callings that God's put us in.
0: For sure. I mean, and I've had numerous conversations like that with, with older members of the church. In, in fact, recently, you know, I mean, with, with everything that was shut down due to the pandemic and, and not these being able to see. Yes, that's right. In these <laughs> uncertain times, I think is the yes, way that... that that's, that's right, yeah. That's our... Yeah. In, in the, which, you know, that I suppose we're going to keep... I figure I'm going to keep saying that long after the pandemic, just as a reminder. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. in any case, yeah. in these uncertain times, which are, you know... Things are starting to open back up, including pastors being able to make visits to to nursing homes and and those types of things. Now, visiting with some of those folks and and talking to them, you know, how how have things been going? And and they've been telling me these things on the phone too, but hearing it in person is just another reminder. Well, I've been praying, Pastor. Like, yeah, I guess I should have been doing that too. You know, I mean, it's like, and and what a what a wonderful thing that is that that as you know like man i finally finished all the other stuff that i had to do so that i could have been doing should i i get to do what i should have been doing all along which was praying and and how wonderful it is that that those folks do continue to pray for all of these needs that perhaps the rest of us you know forget about because we're not being self-controlled we're not being sober minded that we we're we're so busy thinking about everything else that we're not praying and and our our members who who continue to in this world why so that they can continue to pray for us that's just a a beautiful thing and it it's a a great strength to me as a pastor when when i forget what i those things that i know that those members are praying for me for our church for their family for all the families it's just it's a a wonderful thing um like like you were saying so yeah it's that's that's great well, along those lines, I was just
1: going to throw something in there, just like to you know, so I I beat this drum perhaps too much, but like when was the last time, right? That like the last time that we we in our minds we accomplished something, right? Because we're so focused on what we accomplished, and and we like called our grandparents and said, "Hey, this happened. Thank you, um, God answered your prayers. Thank you, this happened because you prayed for me, right?" I I or you know, like like you were saying, like you know, as a pastor, something is accomplished, and you you go and you thank your your shut-ins. Cause like, Hey, this happened because you all were praying for me. Right. Like, and, and, and seeing it that way. Right. I mean, I, I think it, you, you know, it's just, we, we just, I, I think actually, I think this is, um, this is a problem we have in the American church. I mean, you can see it even, I think, I believe in our LCMS, um, congregations when we have our time for like the prayer of the church, for example, I think we're too quick to come up with new petitions um, and too slow to give thanks for all the petitions that God answered, you know, and and I I think it does a disservice because I think that we implicitly are teaching then that prayer isn't very effective, right? Because if you're never thanking God for answering the prayers, it it implies, right, that the prayers aren't doing anything. I, I think we need to be a lot better about, you know, I, I really putting into action what we actually believe, which is, which is a nice segue actually for what we have coming up next. It's like, Hey, if you actually believe this about prayer, then well, you have a lot more thank yous to be making.
0: So take us into that next verse. Peter writes above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. What's Peter saying?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think I, the way that I take that, and I think this love covers a multi- multitude of sins is, uh, I think one of Luther's favorite lines. Um, I I think he, if I remember correctly in the large catechism talks about in connection to, um, you know, defending our neighbor's like reputation, talking about, uh, the virtue of shame (laughs) that, that that is to say, um, that, that, that feeling of shame that does not like just, uh, it's not eager to just, you know, air all the dirty laundry, but, Mm. um, but wants to exercise discretion and help defend people's reputations. Right. And, Um, You know, that that involves uh, not, you know, like keeping secrets and lying. Right. But like you don't have to blab about everything and we can have trust and intimacy that is not shared with everybody. Right. So I I think, yeah, it's like you can love one another earnestly because love. Yeah. I mean, I mean, love covers the sins. I mean, it's uh, it's not that you're faking the love. For your Christian brothers and sisters, right? You're like putting a smile on. It's like, oh, I can't stand that guy though, right? It's fake love. Right? No, uh, Christian love, I mean, it's, let I me mean, think about the love of Christ, right? He loved us knowing full well that we were sinners, right? Christ died for the ungodly. So uh, I think that's the, the idea in that one line, which is just a potent line, right? That like Christian love, yeah, acknowledges the sin, sees the sin, loves anyway, and it's genuine love because genuine Christian love, the love from Christ, like actually deals with the sin
0: as that line there, given that this is Peter reminds me of the exchange that Peter has with Jesus in the gospels where he's, he's talking about, you know, if your brother sins against you and he he goes through that and then Peter, Peter asks him, well, Lord, if, if my brother sins against me and this isn't an exact quote, I should have looked it up, but if he sins me seven times, you know, is that, is that good? If I forgive him seven times, and, and Jesus tells Peter, you know, not seven times, but seventy-seven or seventy times seven. And right. the the point, you know, is not that you do the math and and count one higher than that, and then you stop forgiving. Right. But the, you know, you that the love actually covers it. It forgives that multitude of sins. It. I mean, it really is. This is a a, a powerful text for for Christian congregations, for Christian husbands and wives, for, for any time Christians live in any kind of relationship with each other. So you've got two sinners there and sinners sin against each other. And, and a verse like this is such a, a, a wonderful reminder of, of how we're able to live in that relationship so that we aren't constantly at each other's throats or ready to just cut each other off. No, it is, it is that same forgiveness that Christ showed us that we extend to each other.
1: And yeah, it's so different, right? Cause like we we're we are we are in a, an age now that's been inaugurated with, with Twitter that, uh, or it's like we're like times. yeah these times where like we're like eager to air dirty laundry right I mean yes. it's like it's it's like it, we're kind of like thought policing ourselves where it's like hey I saw a person that like did this thing at the grocery store and you know what when you think about it guys isn't that a microaggression and and, and like and it's just like we're just trying to – it's like we're like looking for ways to like you, you know just kind of throw each other before the thought police, you know? And, um, yeah, it's like, you know, and it's like, I understand that like there are some genuine, um, concerns in the midst of that, but the way we're doing it is totally unloving, right? Like the way we're doing it is out of bounds, out of bounds for Christians. Clearly. Um, you know, we, we should not be looking to just like, you know, like, you know, Oh, oh, Hey, like someone did something. And if you think about it in this way, maybe it was terrible. So let me just publish that online. Absolutely not. We are supposed to be putting the best construction on things. Um, you know, wanting to see the best motives in people instead of looking for the worst ones, and going to that person directly and privately. And if you can resolve it right there, and no one else hears of it, better, right? I mean, but but no, we want to score points, and you know, we get more retweets if if everyone else like is like, ah, oh, yes, that's very dirty laundry.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and of course, this has been happening since long before Twitter existed too. The one of the the accounts from the scriptures that comes to my mind is in Genesis chapter nine after the flood. And and you've got Noah drunk in his tent, and it's his his son Ham who who's laughing at his father, and then the but the other two sons go and cover up their father's nakedness. I mean, I think there's you know long that was long before Twitter. That's true. No,
1: it's it, it's in it's in it's in right. It's in, it's in our blood. I think the difference though, right, is like I, don't, I I think that even Ham would not have gone over to like uh you know the the, the peoples the nations right. And said, Oh hey guys, look what happened to my father, right? And like and like brought shame on like the entire family like that, right? I think I think he was like, Oh, well, you know, it's in the family, you know, my brother's like, ha ha ha, let's have a laugh, right? But like, you know, it's it's just interesting how it's just we're we're really willing to like just turn over like anybody these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. Peter continues bringing up hospitality. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. What's what is this hospitality he brings about?
1: I think it's just a follow up on on verse eight. I mean, I, th- I think that well, just uh, I mean, hospitality is one of the biggest ideas in the New Testament um, that is alien to us because of our lack of hospitality, um, because we've outsourced hospitality. Right? It's like you know, you don't you don't host, you know, your your parents or in laws. You like put them like in a home, and I understand there's like a lot of difficulties, right? But I'm talking about systemic problems, right? And a lot of times individuals we have a very hard time doing anything about systemic problems, right? We, we, we pray to God for mercy, but systemically there's a problem because the system, right. Is that we, you know, we don't take care of our parents. We have someone else do it. Um, we don't have, take care of our kids. We have someone else do it. Uh, we don't, you know, have uh, people stay with us. We have a hotel do it. Um, I mean, like it's, it's all these things that in ancient cultures. were like, absolutely not. I will not ask someone else to do this. I'm going to help the person myself, right? Like like the, uh, you know, the, the parable of our Lord, right? The person that like, comes into town, like I've got guests, it's the middle of the night and I don't have bread. I have to give them something though. I cannot, there's no way I'm gonna turn them away. And it's like, well, of course you're not gonna turn them away. Here, I'll get out of bed. I'll wake up the kids. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna find you bread um, so that you can give those guests something. It's unthinkable that we would fail to give guests food like after a long like travel like that, right? So it's just like, the virtue of uh, hospitality is lost on us systemically, um, but without like kind of getting into a whole deal on that. Right. So that, that, that's what I mean by hospitality. It's a lot more than like you shook their hand on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you and you can be truly hospitable with that going out of your way, giving them the loaf of bread at midnight thing without grumbling because love covers a multitude of sins. It, it's I mean, it's not think- it, it's not scratching each other's backs.
0: Sure, and and I think you know we see some uh, vestiges of it at least still, and and perhaps you know from personal experience the the two times that come to my mind most were on choir tour. It's oh, still yeah. among, you know, among choir tours, it seems yeah. that that's one time when people will still open up their homes to people they don't know. And that's so cool. They, that's so it good. really is. It really is. And and they do it because they know. And, and these are choir tours, you know, for example, at, uh, at, in a, at a Christian college or at, yeah. at a seminary. You know, yeah. they why do they do it? They know that this is a brother or sister in Christ yeah. that, that they're opening their home to. And then similar experiences as a, a vicar which granted i I stayed in my in my own apartment, but in terms of the way that people welcomed me into their homes on a regular basis for meals and for other family occasions was just overwhelming and so we we still retain some aspects of it in certain places and again, without going into that larger conversation you're right in in many cases we've we've forgotten it, but I think at least those are two examples in our modern church where where it's still there and and perhaps there for us to recover in in greater aspects as well and, and yeah. maybe we could just leave but i mean yeah it's it's not completely gone i guess as well. no it's it's not it's not and I, and I gotta
1: give thanks just recently with like the birth of our of our of our third um uh, child here you know we, we our, our church band together and put together a meal train and like i had right. you know some, some brothers and sisters in my congregation they came over you know in those those weeks following the birth like uh, up as many as like three times they just bring us dinner you know like, Hey, what do you want? Right. You know, I mean, and just the, the love that you see there, right. That it's like, no, I'm not going to just, you know, you know, like say like, Oh, you know, fend for yourselves. Right. Like, Oh, you, you, you know, you have money, you can buy, you can buy food. Right. You've got, you've got Grubhub. Right. You know, but that people, I mean, and, and some of the meals that the people made were just amazing. So, I mean, yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's there still, right. We haven't lost it, but I think I like the way you put it, that it's, it's ours to to recover to a much greater extent.
0: That's right. Yeah, I think we, we definitely have it when it comes to the big events or when it comes to crises. We're, we're very good yeah. at it. And, yeah. and even, you know, like you said, with with the birth of a child or when a congregation welcomes a pastor— sometimes it's the ongoing hospitality like well you were over here for dinner yesterday i'm not sure about today that that's maybe where where we have some things to recover but it's it's not completely right. gone and and thanks be to God for the love that the the saints here in Smithville and in so many other cases have shown to me in in the way that Peter talks about here with hospitality we've got about five minutes left I want to make sure we touch on these last couple of verses as well yeah. it, in verses ten and into eleven Peter talks about the receiving of a gift and using it to serve one another as a, a good steward of God's very grace. He mentioned specifically those who speak, those who serve. What what is Peter talking about with these gifts? How does how does this work?
1: Well, so the, the way that I, I've looked at this before, and I think it's really interesting um, the language, and, and this is why I think he's getting at because he says, you know. So, so, is he, so he has this kind of phrase at the beginning: as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, right? Um, but okay, okay, so sure, we, we've we've heard this, you know, like serve one another, you know, Christ, you know, washing the disciples' feet. But but then he says you are right: as good stewards of God's very grace, and there is much of these as things. So, as good stewards of God's very grace, um, in verse eleven, as one who speaks oral, oracles of God, um, going on, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, right? So these these as phrases. And so what's going on? And it's my read. Um, and I could be convinced otherwise, if you've got like a, a a case for a different interpretation, but like the way I see it is he's like saying, Hey, it's what, I mean, this is something that I feel like I say all the time. It's like, Hey guys, remember what you actually believe about this? Let's act that way. (laughs) Right? Like, so if you, if you actually believe that all the stuff that you have is not yours, but you're just taking care of it for God, right? Well, that's going to change the way that you act with your stuff. Right. And if you actually believe that you're so speaking here is not just speaking. It's a word for public speaking. Like, um, But uh, so we're thinking about, I think people like we're like teaching and preaching. Right. It's like, hey, so if you're actually like, you know, up there like preaching on Sunday. Um, hey, you remember what you believe about that? Like this holy like word of God stuff. Yeah. Like that that this Oracle of God. Why don't you actually read the Bible or preach your sermon like it's an oracle of God? Because that's what you said you believed about it, right? Or like if you serve, right? Um, and, 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 you know, and you're like, oh yeah, I know this is hard work, right? But hey, if this is you, you said that you believe that this is Christ who lives in you, right? It's like just, just kind of like let's pause and t- take stock of this. Right? We we say we believe these things about this. It's like that should color. I mean, just every every stroke and every motion of what we're doing. Let's take stock of what we're doing and saying, "Hey, look, what do I believe about what I'm doing here? This is this is big stuff. All of it—the service, the speaking, the stewarding, and the service and the, the gift giving and all the rest."
0: Mm. But one thing that stands out to me is that you know these gifts that he brings up—they're used for two purposes, and neither one has much to do with me. It, the first is to serve one another. Yeah. And then the second is that God would be glorified. And that's how Peter ends this section. He says, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Take us into these last couple of, of words here from from St. Peter. Help us to wrap things up this morning. About two minutes, Pastor Espinoza.
1: Yeah, well, well it's, it's it's big stuff. It's like, hey, look, like, you know, you're not just, you're not just, you know, up there on Sunday, kind of like, you know, I came up with a couple of like, you know, funny jokes. Right. Uh, you know, and like that, that'll, that'll play well with my audience. Right. Like, no. Uh, so yeah, it, it's big. But then what you were saying, right. It's, it's, it's God stuff. Ultimately it's, it's big, 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 the size of God. Um, And, and I think that's, that's, that's the idea that, you know, when you're speaking, Hey, um, you're, you're, it's not, it's not really a, you talking, right. It's, it's God. Or, you know, if you serve, remember, Um, See, that's the thing. It's like, I I think that when you understand this serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, I I don't think we should take it as like, you're being given like a, I I don't know what, there's some kind of like special strength that we're supposed to like be getting going off on a rabbit trail on that. But like, hey, look, like Christian service categorically is God powered, not me powered. Right. So, I mean, what that's going to change it, right? Like you were saying, it's not about me. It's, it's God doing it to my neighbor. That's me. I'm just a pass through. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just, I'm just the middleman, right? Like I am not the point. This is God acting in me for the sake of this other person. And if we see, if we just get ourselves out of the way, take ourselves out of the picture and just see it as Jesus, as God serving the neighbor in front of us, that picture, if we have that in front of us, we're going to act rightly as
0: Christians. Pastor A.J. Espinoza serves at Saint Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California, helping us this morning with 1 Peter chapter four, verses seven through eleven. Pastor Espinoza, thanks for being our guest today. A pleasure.
1: Looking forward to another time soon.
0: I'm your host here on Sharp Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Shareathon 2021 starts tomorrow. It runs from April 22nd through April 24th here on KFuo. We would love for you to partner with us to help us share Christ for you anytime, anywhere through this worldwide broadcast. Listen tomorrow, April twenty second, all the way through April twenty fourth to Shareathon. Go to KFU.org slash shareathon for more information. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again on Shareathon tomorrow morning.